The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Um, I'm a physician. I was trained in Britain. I'm actually retired from medical practice, but I'm still working in healthcare, helping family caregivers. Family caregivers are the people who go on providing care to family members when all the professional caregivers, like I used to be, have actually gone home. And I'm speaking to you as something of an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Now, today's episode, we're going to talk about special skills dogs and the way they help people and their families affected by multiple sclerosis and medical conditions like it. So to get us started, I'm just going to um, give a little bit of background about this condition, multiple sclerosis, which many, many people call MS. It affects about 400,000 people in North America. It affects adult men and women and sometimes children. For some people, it gets worse and worse over time to the point where some people lose the ability to write, speak, or walk. Nobody knows what causes MS. There's no cure. Right now, there's a lot of interest in special surgical procedures developed by Dr. Zamboni, an Italian doctor. The symptoms of multiple sclerosis range from mild to severe in intensity and last from short to long in terms of time of duration. Symptoms include things like limb weakness, difficulties with coordination and balance, muscle spasms, fatigue, numbness, prickling pain. And then there's loss of sensation, speech problems, tremors, or dizziness. Um, Medications help slow it down and control symptoms. Physical therapy and occupational therapy also help. But our question today is how special needs dog guides can help people with MS and their families. So I'm going to first of all introduce our, our guest. And first I want to introduce Jerry Ford. Jerry is a retired chartered accountant who's been advocating on behalf of persons with disabilities for almost 30 years. His accomplishments include being a founding member of Citizens with Disability in Ontario, Canada, and Art de Triomphe, which is an organization that provides a supportive environment where persons with disabilities can explore their innate creativity and showcase their work. 
Now, as Jerry's disability progressed, he became increasingly dependent on the assistance of others to enable him to live fully. In October 2009, he went to the Lions Foundation of Canada Dog Guides Training Center in Oakville, Ontario, to be trained as a dog handler. There he was introduced to Lilo, a yellow Labrador golden retriever cross, which he describes, these are his words, as the incredibly talented special skills dog provided by the Lions Foundation. Thanks to Lilo, he remains very active, and he and his wife, artist wife Christine and Lilo live in Coburg, Ontario. Now, our other guest is Rhonda Workman, who's been on this um, show before. Rhonda is head trainer for Hearing Ear Dogs and Special Skills Dogs of Canada of the Lions Foundation of Canada. She graduated from the University of Guelph with a Bachelor of Science degree. She's always loved animals, and so after graduating, she worked at the Guelph Humane Society. After that, she started at Lions Foundation Dog Guides. There she began in the puppy program, helping and caring for puppies until they were old enough to be placed with foster families. She's also guided the foster families with their puppies. Her next step was to become an apprentice hearing ear trainer, and she also worked with special skills dogs. Then she became head trainer for the hearing ear dogs and special skills dog training programs. She lives, she tells me, happily with her wonderful daughter, Cat, and the best dog ever, her Australian cattle dog. So welcome to the show, Jerry and Rhonda, and also Lilo, Jerry's special needs dog guide, who's sitting there at his feet. Welcome to the show, both all three of you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, first off, I'm going to ask Jerry the question, really, to tell us about your experiences with the physical challenges of MS. Jerry, please. Okay. Well, thanks, Gordon. MS is one of those diseases that sort of creeps up on you. It's a creeping paralysis. I've had it now for 32 years, and at the time I was 40, I had in, my walking had deteriorated to the point where I started to use a cane. Now, that was over two decades ago, and I am now progressed to the point where I can't write. I have a very difficult time punching anything into a computer, so I use voice-activated uh, software, things of that sort. Um, I don't walk. I'm in an electric wheelchair. So I've, I've experienced the full, if you like, depth of parts of my body over time, knowing that it was coming, and you'd, you'd feel it happening. Uh, it's easier for me to describe how MS has affected me by talking about what it hasn't messed up. And that's a very short list. But it's something that has gone on and taken these, uh, taken a lot of the things that I've enjoyed doing away from me. Consequently, when you have all of these losses, of, of you need something that helps prevent the full deterioration of that. And that... Uh, is one of the purposes of the, the special skills dogs, I think, is to help me live independently in spite of these physical challenges. 
and the challenges are, if you think about them too long, you know, you get a headache and you start feeling very pessimistic. But that's not the approach to take. The real approach to take is that you have lost some things, but you have other things that are much more valuable. Rhonda, I'm going to ask you now about the Lands Foundation of Canada Dog Guides and the work it does with special skills dogs, relating to the kind of challenges that Jerry's been talking about. Well, Lions Foundation provides dog guides to people who need some help with their independence. And like Jerry says, it's everything that's taken away, we want to try and help give back or make things possible again. So our dogs are trained to assist clients in fetching items, whether it's from the floor or from a counter or from someone else. Um, They can open doors with automatic buttons, lever handles, they can work. We put ties on things so that they can tugs open doors or cupboards. They can tugs off jackets. They can tugs off socks. All of those little things so that instead of a client having to say, hey, somebody else, can you help me, or to wait around for an hour or two for someone to get them a remote control, they can do it themselves. And that independence, a feeling of safety and companionship, like you've got someone to lean on, I think is uh, that's what our goals are. Yeah. Okay. Jerry, I'm going to ask you about the reasons that led you to decide to have a dog guide. How, 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 did, how did you make up your mind about that? Well, I, at the beginning, I was very aware of dog guides because of my exposure to vision dogs through business. I had worked with a number of people that were vision impaired, and they had the dogs. And I always was amazed at what the dogs were able to do for them. However, I never really thought about it in terms of what the dog could do for me. And then I was at the, uh, a couple of years ago, I was at a a general meeting in AGM for the MS Society, and there was a woman there with a special needs dog. And I thought, my gosh, she's not as disabled as I am, and she's finding the dog helpful. This is interesting. And then I, uh, we wind up here in Coburg, we wound up moving to Coburg shortly thereafter, and I met Carol Cherry, who is somebody who has had a guide dog and has just received her second one. And she's telling me about the uh, incredible stuff the dog can do for her. So all of these things, when I started weighing it, it just convinced me that maybe I should think about this. Maybe there's something here that can work for me. And I had an awful lot of encouragement from friends and from family, I must say. Uh, I checked with all of my neighbors to see whether they would mind me having a dog because... After all, a dog of some size is a a burden on everybody in the neighborhood when you live in a townhouse. And they said, no, not at all. So I had encouragement all around. And we then went ahead and filled out the farms and got the process rolling. Great. Now, we are running, going to run into a break any moment. And so my next question is going to be for Rhonda, but I may have to just cut you off in the middle and then we'll carry on after the break but what I want you to talk to us about now Rhonda is the types of physical challenges that special skills dog guides help with as I said our dogs are trained to fetch items so for the clients that don't have the ability to lean over and pick something off the floor a dog can do it for you and he can bring it up to your lap or he can jump up on your lap and bring it up closer to your hands depending on what you can manage For our clients that can't open doors, our dogs can open doors. 
for clients that when you're in trouble and you need some help that you can't yell loud enough, our dogs can bark for help to attract that attention. Uh, within an indoor setting, our dogs can go and get a family member for you. They can open up cupboards. They can go fetch a water if you'd like a water. They can pick up your keys so you're not freezing outside. They can do a whole bunch of things like that. Right. Now, I'm going to go into the break now, and we'll carry on, Rhonda, with that question. Um, so, it is that time when we have to take a break and pay the rent. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guests are Gary Ford and Rhonda Workman. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned. We will be back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime along with guest commentary from the soap central columnists and we'll take your questions and comments during our live show soap central live every friday at 6 p.m eastern time 3 p.m pacific on voice america variety are you ready to get freed up Join Dr. Jennifer Freed, one of America's leading psychological thinkers, for a groundbreaking program with fascinating guests and full participation from you. Freed Up will explore topics like liberation in long-term relationships, parenting in the 21st century, comfort in stressful times, and much more. Tune in to Freed Up every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and wake up to the heartbeat of your life. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at my. M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Jerry Ford and Rhonda Workman. Our topic is special skills, dogs. Now, what I'm going to ask you both about in this segment is special skills, dogs, and First off, the training they receive, and then the way in which the dogs fit into family life. So, Rhonda, to start with you, please continue with the question I was asking you before the break, and then move us into talking about the training that these dogs get with particular focus on MS. Rhonda? Okay. Again, fetch is a huge thing for a lot of our clients, clients that are in a wheelchair, most of them cannot bend over and get something from the floor. If they do, it's really dangerous, and maybe they don't have the, the body strength to right themselves again. Um, or maybe they don't have the dexterity to pick up that water bottle or that marker that's on the floor, and the dogs can do it for them. Alleviating the need for you know a client to wait around, as I said, for an hour for someone to help them or put themselves in a dangerous position. 
we always joke that the dogs can go and open up the dryer, fetch the clothes from it, close the dryer door for you. The only thing they don't do is fold the clothes. Um, when the dogs come back at a year of age, they've been fostered in foster homes where they've learned their socialization and just basic manners and house training. We start off with obedience. These guys have to be fairly obedient because they're voice controlled. Our clients are not using a lot of leash to direct the dog, and they're not using a lot of power to direct the dog. So the dogs are trained with a lot of voice, with a lot of praise and treats. They have to want to do the things we want them to do, healing nicely, walking nicely. And then we move on from obedience to their skill work. And as I said, fetch is a huge component. Tugsing on things, whether it's tugsing that jacket off for you so you're more comfortable whether it's tugging a door open, jumping up and hitting an automatic button door. Perhaps it's something like barking to get somebody else's attention because you can't do it. Or maybe the client isn't quite as disabled as they will be or could be or someone else is. Some of our clients use something called steady, and that's where you lean on the dog a little bit, perhaps to transfer from the bathroom to your chair or from your chair to a bed. Again, you don't have to wait a couple of hours for a caregiver to help you into bed if you can use a dog. As long as it's safe, we'll look at what the clients are asking for. With some of our clients that have um, multiple sclerosis, we look at what's safe right now. Fetching and steady and opening doors, that's great. If something becomes unsafe, we'll try and see, okay, what else can we do? We had a couple of clients who, if their foot plate on their wheelchair flipped up by accident and, you know, their foot would get stuck, maybe we can train the dog to flip that foot plate back down. And that is a huge comfort to someone who's uncomfortable and, darn it, they can't get that foot plate down. Um, Those are the basic skills that the dogs learn. And, of course, being gentle is very important. Dogs have to learn when they jump up. It's, It's not to crush someone. It's just to gently jump up and deliver perhaps um, glasses or a remote control or maybe to take something from the client and deliver it to somebody else for the client. Yeah, yeah. Jerry, please tell us about Lilo, your dog. First of all, what sort of a dog is she? And then how does she fit into your life and how does she actually help you? Well, Lilo is a, what can I say? Lilo is a personality quite a personality. She's very, very bright. When she's not in her harness, she's just a dog. She's a lab, just acts like a lab. She'll eat everything she can find. She wants to play all the time. She's full of love, gets excited anytime she sees other dogs or kids. When you put the harness on her, though, Gordon, she's, she's all business. Everything is business about her. Even her tail stops wagging. And the, I mean, that's, uh, I've often had people comment on her in harness, and I've then invited them to the house to see her when she's out of harness. And the transition, they cannot believe. The dog is so businesslike when it's time to do business that it, it's just astounding what she can accomplish. Yeah. As far as her being in harness, However, when, when we do run into people that she knows, the only indication she'll give is her tail will start to wag. So in heart, I mean, you can't stop her wagging her tail, but she behaves. She's incredibly controlled and, and just full of uh, obedience. 
The skills and the obedience are the same whether she's in the harness or out of it, though. She listens. She is not a problem for me to take outside into the front, for example, and down and out of the garage, and she'll stay with me. She'll heal as instruction without having a harness on now, or rather her leash on, things like that. Her obedience is excellent. She'll stay as she needs to. The skills, the skills are just incredible. Because this thing about dropping things uh, that Rhonda had mentioned is something that's endemic to me. I drop so many things. Yesterday, I knocked three things on the floor when I was reaching for one. Well, Lilo hears this. As soon as she hears it hit the floor, she's on her way, and then she's standing there saying, like, what do I do? And the beautiful thing about them being so well-trained is if I drop something that's dangerous for her, let's say I drop a pill, I simply say no, and she'll stop and wait and wait for the instructions. So she does all kinds of things to help me cope with what like what this disease has taken away from me. Right. This ability to pick up things is a really, really thing, big deal. And um, in addition to that, though, she conquers, helps me conquer an awful lot of other relatively minor barriers, but they're the kinds of things that accumulate. When, it, when you run into barrier after barrier after barrier, pretty soon a little wee bump in the road seems like a big barrier. Sure. And she helps me cope with those kinds of things. Now, I'm going to come back to those challenges in a moment, but I'd like to ask Rhonda, those, those training, very special training things, that ability of the dog to know when she is on duty, so to speak, and off duty, what are the secrets of the training there? Well, kind of they're always on duty, but we definitely do let the dogs know when they're wearing their harness it's very serious, as Jerry said. It's, you're, you're out in public a lot of the time. You're being scrutinized. You're an ambassador for us, and you need to be very well behaved. Uh, we encourage that good behavior. We reward it a lot. <laughs> and we want people to accept the dogs out in public. We'd like people to respect the dogs, and we'd like the dogs to be very helpful for our clients. So it has to be there, that attitude that I'm working right now. And they can't, although they are very friendly dogs, they can't just run over and say, hi, would you like to pet me to everybody they see? Because labs typically and golden retrievers would love that. They would love to just run around being pet. So we have to just encourage that acting like this is very serious work. It's very important. You know, I've got a job to do. I can't be distracted. So that's super important. Yes, they're allowed to be dogs. They have playtime. They're allowed to be silly once in a while as long as it's safe for the client. And, yeah, sometimes the dogs can be a bit more jovial or um, perky at home. But still, like Jerry said, they've got to still do their work. They, they're never really off duty. They're always there. So I'm glad to hear that Lilo's doing well out and about and can still have some fun but still does her job. That's a perfect combination. There you go. Jerry, back to the time when you were thinking of having a dog and Lilo, and I'm sorry for mispronouncing her name, um, wasn't actually with you. What were the particular challenges that you hoped she would help you with? That's a difficult question because I, I really, at that time, didn't understand what she could do for me. And it seemed like the list uh, 
would be long, uh, unduly long or unduly short. So I, the easier way to answer that is to talk about what I'm, what I wanted to do. I wanted to stay very active and independent. And staying active and independent is a very difficult thing when your physical world tends to be shrinking because you can no longer drive a car or you can no longer uh, open a door, that sort of thing. I do an awful lot of advocacy work, and I have for a number of years, and it's uh, becoming more and more important to me. So I wanted some... What I was hoping for was some method or some process or some that the dog would make it have an effect on helping me be an advocate and continue to to do my work in a in a positive way, and that's actually what I found is it's it's more than that. She's more than compensated for that because simply the fact that I have the dog with me gets a huge amount of both interest and respect. It's quite incredible. Rhonda, again, we're into going to run into the time squeeze, but I just want to ask you this. Um, what do you say to people like Jerry when they come to you um, not really being very sure what a dog might do for them, but interested and hopeful? What are the quick things you say to them? Well, I quickly go over what skills the dogs can do, and I remind them that it is a dog, so it's not an alarm clock that we can just set up and turn on. Everything's perfect. I say, have you had a dog before? Do you know that there's a lot of work with the dog? It's definitely a team thing. You've got to give the dog as much as the dog gives back to you. The dog has to have exercise and free time and love, and all those things are important to consider. Are there questions that come up after that? That is, particular things that somebody like Jerry might ask um, that might be of interest to our listeners? Well, exactly what Jerry was thinking. What exactly can the dog do? Everybody's seen Lassie, and some people think the dog can perhaps pick up the telephone and dial 911 or turn a computer on or some things that aren't really what we do. So those are the kinds of questions we field, what they can and can't do, just reviewing that the dogs are trained to fetch, safe items. Uh, Like Jerry said, they can't fetch a pill. You're not going to get a steak from your dog (laughs) and those kinds of things. Right. In other words, a bit of realism. Yes. Is that fair? Yes. Yeah, good. Now, it is time, that time for us to take the break again. And um, I want to say that this is Dr. Gordon Adley speaking, and my guests are Jerry Ford and Rondi Workman. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. And please stay tuned, because we're talking about the way a special needs dog helps with, I'm going to call them, serious problems associated with particular types of medical conditions. Please stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment rising to levels not seen since the Great Depression. 
How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Two views, different topics, questions, answers, news, and advice. You'll want to check out Ecoman and the Skeptic live from Philadelphia University. Every week, join hosts Rob Fleming and Chris Pastor as they tackle a different topic on sustainability. You'll hear all sides of the issue supported by guests who provide valuable insights. Get ready to be engaged, educated, and entertained when you tune into Ecoman and the Skeptic. Broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk Network. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc letter G at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Jerry Ford and Rhonda Worksman. Our topic is special skilled dogs in relation to particular physical problems associated with particular um, neurological conditions. Now, I want to talk with our guests about decision-making and cost. My first question is to Jerry. And Jerry, I'm going to ask you this. What advice do you actually give or would you give to persons with MS who are thinking about a special skills dog? Jerry? Well, I think that one of the points that Rhonda made earlier is something that has to be stressed, that there's a lot of responsibility and work in having a dog. You don't just have a dog and the dog doesn't take care of herself or himself. You, as a dog handler, have responsibilities as well that have to be met to, to provide this dog with a, an environment where it's comfortable, feeling safe, feeling loved, and therefore is conducive, it's conducive to it working the way it's meant to work. Having said that, the payback, I find in my own case, certainly was much, much higher. The dog is not a pet. There's no question that she is not a pet, but she is an object of being of love, and she gives a huge amount of love. She gives far more back than you can ever give her. Of course, you can never give a lab enough love. But the uh, to illustrate, she simply rolls on her back and begs you to to pet her stomach sort of thing. She's a respected member of the family. She's has needs just like anybody in the family does. The exercise needs are an important one. I think that that's something that's critical. The obligation that has to be remembered to get her outside to the bathroom or wherever you're going to take her to the bathroom is something that's very important. That That's an obligation you cannot shirk. Just because it's raining, so suck it up, put on a hat, and go outside. You have to do that. The responsibilities are there, but the rewards are there as well. 
Rhonda, I'm going to ask you to follow up on that. That is to say, in this question of expectations, which you've, you've answered before, I'm going to ask you again, when people are asking you questions that really relate to expectations of the dog, what are the, what are the questions that they actually ask you? How do they phrase those questions, and how do you, relate, how do you reply to them? Well, sometimes I have had clients ask, can the dog steady me? And I say, it's all individual. With that command in particular, if you're looking for a dog to temporarily, and you can stand on your own, temporarily help you to get from one chair to another, from the chair to the bed, yeah, that's possible. But if you're totally unable to stand on your own, um, and you need something rock solid like a table, like a, a transfer chair, then a dog may not be the safest option for you. Um, if a client has so little mobility in their hands that they have, say, uh, four square inches they could maybe get an item from, that's very challenging. And we have to talk about how many needs they have and how specific their needs are in finding that right dog. Um, and by that I mean sometimes people have so many needs that they would need a lassie dog, a dog that's going to be exceptionally precise in where they bring things for fetch, a dog that's going to hear them even though they can barely speak above a whisper. Um, those dogs are quite rare, and usually some of the clients that apply were not able to help because they either don't have a way to communicate with the with the dog or maybe they don't have a way to exercise the dog and, and provide that that teamship where they're taking the dog out for exercise, they're feeding the dog, and they're taking care of the dog. So with every client that applies, we individually talk about, okay, how are you going to exercise your dog? What happens if you need help? Because it's okay to have help. It's okay to have your your uh, spouse or, or someone help you feed the dog, but you need to be the one in charge. You have to be the one giving the food and directing everything. That's really important. And for some clients, they think, well, I'm going to, or I've had some clients say, you know, I, I sleep 20, 20 hours a day. I'm only up for four hours a day. That's not a lot for the dog. It's, it's really asking a lot for the dog to just stay quiet, not get in any, any trouble, um, and just wait for those couple of hours when I'm up and about. So with every client, we go over individually what their needs are and what a dog can and cannot do. Dogs can fetch things, they can open doors, and they can respond to commands, and their needs are to be outside for relief and to be exercised daily and for obedience to be practiced daily and skills to be practiced daily and to get some kind of reward, love, affection, petting, whatever it is. Very clear. Jerry, a different type of question now. When you, Lilo, are working together, what are the things that really make the sun shine for you? Well, I, maybe the best way I can explain that is through a wonderful example. When I first got Lilo, I made the mistake of having her try and pick up some money that I dropped. And all of the people in Oakville laughed at me because paper is a real challenge for dogs. They tend to hold it with their feet and pull with their mouth. So I wound up with a shredded $20 bill. A couple of months after we were back here, no, three months, I guess, 
we were down at the bank. I was doing some banking. And at the teller, I dropped my bank card. I dropped my bank card between me and the and the teller's uh, the piece of furniture there. It was one of those things that I could not get myself. Before I had a chance to ask the teller or the half dozen people that were in line behind me, the dog, Lilo, moved forward. She heard it drop, and that's what she does. She hears it. She moved forward and picked it up and returned it to me intact. And literally, they applauded. The tellers said, they want me to do it again because some of them missed it. It was just an incredible thing, a very rewarding thing. And what was the icing on the cake was that the magnetic strip still worked. She did not even mess that up. So she's that something that made a person made me very proud, very proud of the dog, very proud of the process. Certainly demonstrated to an awful lot of people how important this can be and the difference it makes. Because picking up a credit card is a very difficult thing for a lot of people. Try it when your hands don't work and it's between you and a piece of furniture and so on and so forth. That was just a, an exceptional thing. Wonderful. Rhonda, when you work with a team, such as Jerry and Lilo, what are the things that really make the sunshine for you? Um, I, I think Jerry's story is awesome, and, and it's that kind of thing. We've had clients who, they, they can't open the automatic buttons, and some of those darn buttons are in bad places, and then you've got to move around to get your wheelchair through the door as it opens, and the doors all open at varying speeds. So when I see a client do a really neat thing, like tell the dog to go and open up the, hit the automatic button door, and maybe the dog has to step away from the wheelchair, couple of feet to go and hit that button and then come back around and then go behind the wheelchair as the client goes through the door, I think that's awesome. Instead of the client having to say to somebody, oh, hey, can you do that for me? Or the client spends, you know, another half a minute trying to get the right position because they can barely hit that button, dog can do it for them, no problem. And like Jerry said, dog picks up your pen in class when, um, you're in class and you don't want to disturb anyone else, your pen drops, maybe the dog can get it. You don't have to rely on someone else. One of my favorite stories was a client who said, you know, last year it was in the middle of winter in Canada and I had dropped my keys in the snow. I couldn't get them. I couldn't get them. I couldn't yell for help. I didn't know what to do. I sat there for half an hour. I almost got frostbite in my fingers. Now that won't happen. I can either get my dog to bark or my dog can fetch the keys. I've got options now. And I thought, that's amazing. That's really amazing mm-hmm. to feel that safe, to feel like I can go places and somebody will help me. And yet, not somebody that's going to go, oh, you're asking me again. <laughs> so I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's the independence part, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Jerry, um, I'm going to ask you, and this does have to be a quick one because of the break again. What about the costs involved in having a dog guide? What help do you get or did you receive and where did you get it from? Well, I, I personally did not have any help and did not seek any help. However, I do help a lot of people find money for these kinds of things and I've recently done that for somebody with a hearing dog, I'm sorry, with a dog for autism. The, all of the costs are tax deductible 
most of the stores will give you a discount because it's a service dog, and that includes the veterinarians. But the, the actual cost itself is not really a barrier because there's people like me that can find a service club or a group or whatever to fund what's necessary to make this happen for people because we want to have people that really, really need the, the service. We want them to have it. They're the people that need it the most. Would you say that the voluntary aspect of the work, that is the question of donations and things like that, uh, is an important factor in the experience of people like you? Donations for that? Well, in the sense of people giving you um, something at low cost or assisting you in various ways um, because what they see you doing captures their imagination. Do you see that as an important factor? Oh, it's very, very important. And that's where I personally access a number of service clubs for these kinds of costs. Service clubs love to sponsor these kinds of things. Certainly I've found here in Coburg that the Lions Clubs, there are two here, are very keen on doing anything to support the program in addition to the work they do to support the foundation's work in Oakville. So they're very keen to help people that need this transition and need the funding. The objective is that we have a dog that the money is not an issue in terms of the care of the dog. The way I've often engineered it is that we would have the money paid directly to the supplier because we don't want to have people that are very poor short-circuiting the dog's health and the dog's well-being. Understood. Now, Gary, unfortunately, I have to break in there because we've got the break, but we're going to carry on with this discussion uh, when we return this whole question of funding and opening up the, the kind of services that we're talking about for a wider range of people. So, as I say, it is time for us to take a short break. This is Dr. Gordon Averley, and my guests are Gary Ford and Rhonda Workman. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct report, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern to the Leader's Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you learn how to handle a crisis deal with celebrities and become a terrific pr executive 
Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Help, you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Jerry Ford and Rhonda Workman. Our topic is special skills dogs in the particular context of um, MS, I'm going to call it. So I'm going to, first of all, ask Rhonda to explain to us the way in which the Alliance Foundation Training Center is funded. Well, we're not government funded. We do our own fundraising. We get a lot of money from Lions Clubs, approximately 25% of our income is from Lions Clubs. Another huge portion is our Walk for Dog Guides, which is an annual walk across Canada. Um, That's been over, I think our target was a million dollars, and that's been huge and growing. We have the usual fundraising events, art auctions, open houses, uh, little sales and, and things like that. We apply for grants, Trillium grants, uh, grants with other businesses, grants like towards the Society for Epilepsy, towards autism, and for each of the programs we'll apply for what we can, but no government funding. Uh, a lot of kind, generous individuals. Bequests have been big lately, which is really heartwarming. You know, somebody passes away and they leave something very positive for somebody else to make their lives a little easier. Very, very nice people. And I think that's one wonderful thing about the school. Uh, We are a registered charity, and there's volunteers that work here. There's people who donate their time and money just to make everything work and just to help out somebody else. It's a wonderful feeling when you look around. Right. Now, let's take the bigger question. What about, let's talk about the ways in which more people like Jerry can be helped with special skills dog guides. And what are the things that you both would recommend and why? Let's start off with Jerry. Well, Gordon, I think one of the biggest issues is awareness. People like me uh, who have become disabled, you find your world is imploding a bit and you tend to pull in, pull in, pull in. So you're not out there in front of people and getting a lot of attention or finding out things. So... As I found the awareness issue, I had to go and search for information and, and have it thrust upon me, if you like, by friends. I think there are a lot of people that could make good use of a dog that would um, are simply not aware of it, simply not aware that this is there. So we have to do a big promotion in terms of getting the word out there, and that word can be carried by individuals, it can be carried by the media, it's Programs like this help a great deal. The important thing is getting it out there so people really understand it. And, of course, all of this costs money. These dogs are very expensive. The whole process is an expensive one. So there's 
fundraising is a huge issue. Now, every time we're raising funds, we should take that fundraising opportunity as a opportunity also to, to promote because people understand, once they understand, it's a lot easier for them to make a contribution. And, of course, what I talked about earlier was the finding sponsors for the actual dogs in the families to help eliminate the problem because if somebody can't afford a few hundred dollars a year that is necessary to have the dog, then that money has to be found someplace. And and there are people that can sponsor that, those people's, uh, people's operating costs, if you like. And, of course, there's also the core sponsorship of dogs, and I think that's something that is not well understood. Um, people make these large donations to foot the bill, if you like, for the cost of a whole dog or a dog for a year or a dog for two years, and it, it's many thousands of dollars. And this sponsorship of these dogs, as opposed to a sponsorship of the organization through bequests and so on, is an incredibly positive thing. We wind up with things that the reward, I think, is that they know they've done something good. In our own case, we wound up sending a letter to the people that are in Saskatchewan thanking them for the, uh, the work they've done to provide me with this dog. Jerry, a quick question to you. Are you a volunteer for the training center? Is that for me? Yes. No, I'm uh, two hours away from Cora, from Oakville. No, I meant from the kind of work you do uh, with the various groups, foundations, and so on. Um, do you regard yourself as somebody who is a, is a volunteer? Oh, very much. I, I do a huge amount of volunteering. Yeah, and a lot of it, is, that, is this right, is actually aimed at helping um, more people get more dogs, special skills, or otherwise. Is that right? Well, it's, it's all focused on people with disabilities and improving their lot in life. And if that includes a dog, then that is part of the equation, yes. Perfectly fair. Now, I'm, Rhonda, I'm going to ask you back to the question, what are the things that you would recommend and why? Um, and let's follow up on Jerry's point about publicity. In other words, let's not talk at the moment about the funding, but rather talk about things like getting the message out and other things that you would like to see happen that will bring more dogs to more people with more help? Well, I wholeheartedly agree. We really need to get dog guides out into more public awareness. It, it should be a common thing where, oh, you're having difficulty with something, why don't you consider a dog guide? And like Jerry said, it's not for everybody, but for those clients who think that, yeah, my life could be better with a dog, we need to get out there so they know that we're an option and they know, okay, this is what the dogs can do. It'd be wonderful to, for clients to come and see us sooner than as opposed to later. Sometimes clients will hear about us and, and it might be too late. Um, so awareness would be a huge part of what I'd like to see our school go. Um, more media attention, whether it's you know small local newspapers, maybe it's a big thing where uh, we have a bigger sponsorship, you know, it'd be nice for a big company like Air Canada, some national company, to pick us up and to promote us, um, and for people to learn about the five different programs, the options that are out there, even other schools, and then, of course, 
stores and, and restaurants and other places would learn, oh, clients have access rights as well. So everybody's on the same page with understanding what dog guides are, what to expect, because we all have a certain code of conduct that we should be following. Um, and, yeah, everybody on the same page, knowing what's out there. Right. Now, as you're both aware, this particular episode, and, in fact, the entire show, is on the Internet. And as everybody is aware, the Internet, things like streaming media as well as uh, the talk um, shows that of the type that we're now doing, are all growing very quickly. What sort of um, use, uh, Rhonda, is the training center making of what I'm going to call these new, these social media? Well, honestly, I don't know that we have a lot of staff that are into the newer modes of media right now. Everything is, is pretty hectic here, <laughs> and I, I don't believe that we are involved in a lot of the newer media types at this moment. Right. Um, I'm going to ask Jerry a question, and I'm going to come back to that. Jerry, what do you think about these new media? Do you think they would be useful? Are there the things that you would encourage uh, Rhonda and her colleagues to use? Well, quite frankly, given my age, I find that the new social media is a little bit offensive because of the violation of privacy that it does. But on the other hand, it's incredibly popular. It's growing like leaps and bounds. Facebook's is adding uh, sort of hundreds of thousands a week of new people. So I think it's something we have to address. It's something that we have to approach whether we have a particular focus on it or not, the important thing is that it's something that gets huge audiences and it's really the way to go. I have, in fact, been working with a charity that has used Facebooks and uh, Twitter and something else, that kind of thing, as part of their fundraising project. And it's amazing the effect it's had on collecting more donations. It works. Right. And just just out of interest, um, this program that you're speaking on now does use Twitter uh, to promote the audience, and it does, as you say, seem to work. Um, yes, I understand very clearly that there is a side that of some of this social media that makes us uncomfortable. But on the other hand, um, more and more people every day of the week um, turn to the web, the Internet, in some way for advice and help. And I think it's up to those of us like me who want to do something useful with it to make sure that the information that comes out uh, is useful, it's understandable, it's trustworthy, and that kind of thing. So if I can um, just... Uh, make a little bit of a break, a commercial break, so to speak, for this particular show. I hope that you will find it useful because you can, um, shortly after its broadcast, download it as a podcast. You can put it on websites or you can email uh, the address where it can be downloaded and listened to to your friends and colleagues. And if any of them and I'm not ex <laughs> excluding the training center, Rhonda, from this, <laughs> would like to come forward with any ideas for episodes like the one we've just done uh, that would be helpful to uh, get out some of the messages. I'd love to work with them. And then the other thing is that 
there may be people listening to the show who have the necessary skills to help us, and maybe we might be able to organize some volunteers from the information technology world um, to build up a little bit of a team that works for you in the way that your volunteers work for. And I'll finish off by quickly saying that um, I know this sounds like as though I'm promoting things. Well, I guess I am. Um, there's a new thread coming, and that is streaming, what's called streaming media, which is television. And I'm trying to get you all interested in the idea of uh, all the dog guides that you train having little video clips about them that we can put together on a show and that people can actually see the dogs at work. And the particular favorite of mine is watching the dogs being trained as they go around the town, uh, being socialized and learning to behave as polite, well-mannered dogs who, on the one hand, know when they're working and on the other hand, know when they're playing. So I hope that this show is of some help to you. And um, we're now moving into the close. So I will come back to Jerry and Rhonda in a moment. But I want to say thank you to our listeners. If you have comments, questions for the show or for um, Jerry and Rhonda, please email them because the email address is part of the um, support for the show. Um, And then I want to say thank you to Jerry and Rhonda for sharing with us um, your insights, your experience, your advice, and also that sense of what it really all means and what the dog really stands for and really does uh, in supporting people who have challenges to meet that really do require the help of a very well-trained friend called the dog. Now, in our next episode, we're going to talk about other types of dog guides and how they work in families and with family caregivers. So please uh, join us, same time, same spot on the Internet. Thank you for listening. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around.